Welcome to Hope Through Hard Stuff, a podcast from Winning at Home. Please welcome your host, speaker, and award-winning author, Steve Norman. So I had a friend asked me to come and speak to his church about breakthrough, and I think there are a lot of us who get excited when we hear songs or sermons or words of encouragement about breakthrough, because we all have moments where we feel stuck and are not sure how we're going to get onto the other side of the this wall that we feel like we're banging up against. And there, there's no formulas for breakthrough, but there are postures and positions and places where we are more primed to experience breakthrough than we're not. And I believe that Scripture identifies four places where prayer that results in breakthrough can happen. These are places of humility, of intensity, of tenacity, and of clarity. I, I think I think breakthrough happens when we pray from humility. Desperation is the fertile soil for faith. I remember praying a life-transforming prayer when I was in elementary school. My family took me to a theme park in Central Florida, and I was on an indoor roller coaster called Space Mountain. And if you've ever been on Space Mountain, you know that it's it's pretty dark inside, and it's hard to know where you're going to turn. And as my family tells the story, apparently I was doubled down uh, in, in kind of the crash position with my head almost tucked between my knees on this ride, praying this very simple prayer. Please, God, don't let me die. Please, God, don't let me die. So if you've had a moment where you're really scared, uh, you've also probably found a moment where you've been humbled and have cried out in desperation. The prophet Isaiah tells this story in chapter 38 of, of his book. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. And the prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order. Because you're not, because you're going to die, you will not recover. So literally, Hezekiah receives a death sentence. Isaiah tells him, "This is the end of the road." This week, a father had an oncologist come into the exam room and say, "This is the end of the road." A young husband is served divorce papers. His wife says, "This is the end of the road." A single mom is told her position is being eliminated at the plant. She hears, this is the end of the road. Or an inmate is rejected parole again and hears, this is the end of the road. We've been told with enough hustle and determination, we can overcome anything. But there are some battles that hard work and positive attitudes just don't win. Isaiah continues his story when he says, Hezekiah turned his face towards the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Sometimes the most honest prayer that we can pray is the prayer of weeping. Just gut-wrenching sobs into your pillow or screaming at God in the privacy of your own car. Just deep, deep sobs of anguish. Verse 4 says, Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Go and tell Hezekiah, This is what the Lord, the God of your father David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend the city. So Hezekiah gets a gift. He is healed, and he wants to tell the city a story. 
And so he writes this prayer that says, but what can I say? He, God, has spoken to me, and he himself has done this. I will walk humbly all my years because of this anguish of my soul. Lord, by such things people live, and my spirit finds life in them too. You restored me to health and let me live. Surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all of my sins behind your back. I'm I'm mystified by verse 17. Listen to that again. It says, surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. See, desperation creates a space for us to admit that we are lost without God's help. And could it be not that God causes our anguish, but God allows seasons of anguish to remind us that God is God and that we are not. That God is sovereign and we are his servants. Um, That God has a plan and it is our privilege to submit to it. So sometimes we only experience breakthrough when we pray with humility. Uh, But sometimes it happens when we pray from intensity the word passionate like literally means to to suffer so sometimes that that anguish results in passionate prayer james who is a follower of jesus wrote a letter to a group of early followers of jesus and and said this in james chapter 5 is anyone among you in trouble let them pray is anyone happy let them sing songs of praise Is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. See, Elijah was a human being. Even as we are, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain. It didn't rain for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced crops. Now, why would Elijah pray for drought? Well, Because he wanted to get the king's attention. And if you know the rest of the story, you know that Elijah has this showdown on top of Mount Carmel, where he confronts the prophets of a false god named Baal that the people have been worshiping. And he goes, hey, why don't you bring your god And I'll bring my God, and we'll both pray to those gods on the top of this mountain. And the God who answers with fire, he's the one true God. And so 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah pray all morning, and they get nothing. They pray for hours, and there's silence from the sky. But Elijah prays for 30 seconds, and God answers with fire. And you better believe that it gets a nation's attention. But here's the problem. Fire, for as miraculous and as impressive as it is, isn't rain. So Elijah prays again, alone at the top of the mountain. He prays seven times, and after the seventh time, his servant reports a small cloud. He goes, there's a tiny cloud about the size of a man's fist on the horizon. And Elijah stops praying, because a tiny cloud is all he needs to know that God has answered. See, God is not bound by formulas. Just as Jesus heals people differently, Elijah prays differently in different moments. But every time he prays, he prays with intensity. And the intensity that he is praying with is born out of love. Love for God, even love for his enemy, and love for the faithless people around him. The the depth of our love drives the level of our intensity. And so it could be that there's somebody in your life who who needs a drought. They need a wake-up call. 
they need to be reminded that they are not in control. And maybe the, the passion of your prayer will lead them to a moment where they will humble themselves, where they'll be driven to their knees, and they cry out to a God who loves them more than they know. So sometimes when we're hopeless, we pray out of humility or other times out of intensity, and, and other times we pray with, with, with tenacity. Tenacity is just another word for, for grit, for drive, for perseverance, for determination. Luke, an early follower of Jesus, told this story in his, his gospel, a biography of Jesus' life. He says, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. There was a widow in that town who kept coming him to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. And for some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I'll see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? When I was in elementary school, I had a paper route. And every month, I'd have to go door to door to collect payment from the subscribers. And, and if you, you needed $2 and they weren't home, you'd try again the next time. But if they owed you $10 or $15 or $20, you were camping out on their doorstep until you got paid. Why? Because if they didn't pay the paper, you didn't get your money. Sometimes we stop short of breakthrough because we tried once, twice, three times and didn't get any answer. But I think God is inviting us like the widow in the story to, to learn perseverance. Paul in his letter to the Romans says that we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope. So God is trying to teach us to hang on, to dig in, to keep swinging. I remember hearing a preacher say once that his acronym for prayer was PUSH, P-U-S-H, which is pray until something happens. God is trying to lead us into perseverance and faithfulness, into the kinds of prayer that press into the Prince of Peace for provision. Breakthrough happens when we pray from humility and intensity and tenacity, and it also happens when we pray from clarity. I don't know if you've ever realized this, but for me, I know that the first sense that I lose in a crisis is perspective. Stress forces us into tunnel vision and we lose capacity to see a problem from multiple angles. And we realize this when we hear the story of what happened to the people of Israel in 2 Kings chapter 6. It says, Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel, and after conferring with his officers, he said, I'll set up my camp in such and such a place. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware of passing that place, because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God, and time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such a place. And this enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Tell me, which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and chariots and capture him. And the report came back, he is in Dothan. 
So he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there, and they went up by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed this prayer, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And as the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. And Elisha told them, this is not the road, and this is not the city. Follow me, and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria, which is at least 20 miles away. And after they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so they can see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and there they were inside of Samaria, the capital city of Israel. And when the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? You can, you can almost hear how excited he is to finally have a chance to destroy the people that are trying to kill him. Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those you captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them, and after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away, and they returned to their masters. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. See, by the grace of God, what was going to be an execution turned into a feast. And by the grace of God, in a moment, enemies turned into allies. See, not only were the people of Israel spared from this one singular attack, they were spared from all future attacks. Elijah's servant, Elisha's servant was drowning in fear until he could see what Elisha and God could see. And once he could see, his posture changed from despair to hope. So if you're stuck on the brink of a new season, or if you're stuck in the middle of a crisis, I want to invite you to pray this prayer. God, will you open my eyes so that I can see? So that I can see your goodness. So I can see your power. Or see your love. Or see your wisdom. Or see your grace. Or see your heart for those I've come to hate. And when you find yourself in circumstances that make you feel like this is the end of the road, don't despair. You might be on the brink of a breakthrough, and the breakthrough might not be a change in your circumstances. The breakthrough might simply be a change in you. And if that's a change that humbles you, or a change that strengthens you, or a change that softens you, then maybe, just maybe, that'll be enough. I want to thank you again for joining us in these conversations, uh, Hope Through Hard Stuff. Uh, as you can see, there's going to be a, a mix going forward. There are going to be some times where I'll invite guests, therapists, authors, pastors, leaders, experts to get their input. And then there will be days like today where I'll share some scriptures that have been encouraging to me as I faced circumstances in my own life that oftentimes feel overwhelming. But again, if you've got questions for how to handle your own crises. If you want to connect with a therapist, if you want somebody to pray for you, please don't hesitate. You can email me, steve 
at winningathome.com. I would love to be praying with and for you uh, in whatever it is that you're going through. And if you've got ideas for future episodes, please don't hesitate to reach out to those as well. But thanks for being a part of the conversations. Thanks for listening regularly and faithfully. If you have people that you think could be encouraged or inspired by these episodes, please don't hesitate to pass them along. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Hope Through the Hard Stuff. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe to it, rate and review it, and then share it with others. Winning at Home offers hope through counseling and coaching, motivational speaking, community events, and other media resources. If you believe in what we do and want to support us in our mission, consider making a donation at winningathome.com.